Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. My guest this week is one of Britain's biggest comedians. He started in Fresh Meat, Bad Education, Travels with My Father. Uh, you know, it's, this is Jack Whitehall's Wonderbox. So I'm here with the fantastic Jack Whitehall. Uh, I'm Russell Howard. My producer, Dan Atkinson, you might be able to hear. Hello. Can you hear? Hello. Yes. Can we hear Dan? Yes. Yeah, there you go. Normally this is face-to-face, but you've been through... Uh, a pretty life-changing moment. You've just had your first baby. Congratulations, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. I didn't want you to see me face-to-face. I wanted to do this in in darkness, preferably. Right. Uh, but the camera has to be on, and you can see my haggard face, the thousand-yard stare. Well, it's... Uh, I'll the be... only clean T-shirt I have left in my wardrobe. <laughs> really? So what we what is... Is she favouring vomit, piss, or shit? <laughs> Mainly chunder. Oh, okay. But there's a lot of there's a lot of every bodily fluid. She is her daddy's boy. There you go. <laughs> Very much so. um, she loves to chunder everywhere. Are, are, are there certain shirts that you would not go near her wearing? I'm really uh, depressed by how quickly I gave up. Oh, really? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It was in like the first couple of days. I was like, well, I guess this is my life now. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was no like. I was just like, I'll just not shout. I went and played five-a-side football and I was still wearing a shirt that had been vomited on because I was like, oh, it's going to get sweaty anyway. Yeah. And then I got quite close to some people when I was marking for <laughs> a corner kick and I could see them cowering away. It was quite a good tactic. Now, here's a question. When you scored, or if you scored five-a-side, did you do the Bebeto shuffle? I did. Good yes, lad, good lad. But I hadn't told enough other people that I just had a baby. <laughs> so no one was aware of it. Yeah. So it was a solo Bebeto, which oh, is a bit tragic. Yeah. I feel for women because they don't have that. Like, to my knowledge, I don't think there's sort of a sport where there's a well-known celebration. Yeah. But there is... I'd also pushed quite hard in the delivery because uh, perhaps you wanted us to use classical music to put her at ease. I was like, I would love my baby to arrive into the world to the Champions League thing. <laughs> and I could just lift her up, kiss her like the trophy and oh. raise her to the obstetrician. We should, uh, we should crack on. You know the premise of this is the idea I thought about doing something super positive and the idea is to basically chat about things you adore and you put them into this mm. fictitious box and you keep them forever and this could be a kind of momentous thing for your daughter to look back on you know years and years mm. in the future when you perish and yeah. she can say what did that what made daddy like a time capsule that's the vibe yeah i've never done a time capsule but i always feel like if i did it would just be a fart in a jar yes um <laughs> I don't think I would be able to take it seriously enough not to play that prank, but to like a... really like land fifty years later. But that's top shelf, isn't it? Because ideally, yeah. you put that next to, you know, Professor Brian Cox, who leaves some really important trinkets. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Steve, Stephen Fry has a book that he adores, and they ask Jack White all here, and you just lift it, and you're like, Jesus Christ, alive. wow! Um, someone had a sausage roll on the way back from football. <laughs> So what is the first thing you'd like to put in the box? Well, now you said sausage rolls. I feel like maybe <laughs> I was a little too hasty in making my selections. But I, the first thing I chose was the one show because I just thought, you know, this is all about kind of positivity. And, yeah. Uh, I think that show is just an emblem of positivity and I think it is kind of wonderful. And I really enjoy watching the one show. I enjoy getting on the one show. 
like the theme tunes of the one show I like the presenters of the one show wow it's just so innocent and unblemished and ridiculous and quintessentially British um I like Charles Brandreth <laughs> I could go on no 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 but th- this is the whole point because I don't think I'm wrong in saying that many people are baffled by that but the whole point of this is you you because whenever I've been on the one show it feels a bit like a hostage situation <laughs> Yeah. Where, because you can hear the, the, the whizzies in their ears and you just go, go to the next feature and you're trying to talk to people who look like they're locked in. But you see, <laughs> but you see something glorious. Do you, you don't find it stressful when you're talking about comedy and then they're going to, you know, somebody... No, I, lo- I love the segues. I right. love the insane segues out of me talking about my tour to a segment on menopausal barn owls or yeah. whatever they've got <laughs> yeah. uh, on the show that day. I think that's amazing as well. And it's just like aggressively innocent yeah. whenever they have to like tackle anything serious or, or dark. It, that, that's always hilarious as well. I remember my favorite one, I was watching it at home, not under duress. This was not a hostage situation. I was through my own free will watching the one show. Yeah. And Chris Evans was interviewing Brian May. And it got to the end of the interview. And Brian May was promoting something Badger-related or to do with a, an album or whatever he was there to talk about. And then at the end, like Chris Evans really started like pushing him on Freddie Mercury dying of AIDS and, and mm. like digging up a load of really, I imagine, quite traumatic stuff from Brian May's past. Like, not appropriate chat for the one show and it was so awkward and brian may stonewalled the question for like five minutes then there was just like dead air in the studio and chris evans had to segue into a segment on the history of the frozen pea (laughs) (laughs) and he knew he knew that that was coming because they rehearsed that show before and he knew that he was gonna have to go like straight from aids to frozen peas but still went for it anyway and there's no other show where that would happen. It feels like, a bit like Gary Shandling, there's definitely a funny mm. sitcom to be made about... Because presumably there's writers backstage going, right, how do we transition from from AIDS to peace? Like, and But there, there must be. Like, that's just the way that TV works. That, 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 yeah. And you would love to see the suggestions and, and somebody going no it's it's not that no no Paul it's, it's not that it's not that either but we've spoken about this before actually as well weirdly about something else so I think we were talking about Frankie Boyle too yeah. this is a strange tangent but like why Frankie Boyle was so good on What the Week is because he had the boundary of the BBC that he was pushing against and you felt like everything that he was saying was like so outrageous because yeah. he was in such a confined sandbox and I sort of feel the same with the one show like whenever you go on there, any mischief or chaos that you are able to bring into a show that yeah. is that like PC and yeah. friendly and tea time, it just feels so exciting. Yeah. And I think the first time I went on it, I, I realized the only way I was going to get through what could have been like feeling a little bit like a hostage situation was yeah. just to try and have as much fun with it as possible. And my, my game that I play whenever I go on there is trying get, getting in innuendos and smuggling them past the presenters and just playing them for the benefit of the cameramen and you know, like the grizzled yeah. old guy yeah. holding the boomstick. Yeah. And my favorite one that I did, and this was like, I think my favorite ever television appearance was when they were doing a segment on seagulls. And I said, 
seagulling and then matt baker repeated it and he said what's seagulling and then i had to make up an explanation oh. of what seagulling was <laughs> and he bought it and then he literally would not stop saying seagulling for the rest of the show <laughs> and i was dying inside yeah and i could see this one camera operator the camera just like <laughs> shaking away because yeah. he cottoned on to what was happening it was amazing he must have said seagulling 30 times <laughs> with no knowledge that it is the act of masturbating into one's hand and flinging it onto a car bonnet um and presumably <laughs> presumably you know like I, you know i don't want to cast aspersions on baker but let's say he's he's drifting through the internet late at night and like but the moment when he happens upon that sex act, it's gonna be like oh ah oh. it's a bit like it's a bit like i remember saying um mispronouncing quinoa as a younger man in mm. front of a lot of people and that felt bad but can you imagine being on national telly and saying seagull over, over and over? Well, to the point where there's probably little old ladies knitting me. He means jizzing in the face, you stupid prick. Like, who doesn't know what seagulling is, you mad bastard? Like, there's probably people seagulling as the one show was on going, Jesus Christ, send him a text. But, it's, I, but I love the fact that you love it. I think there's something really... But I, I guess we all have that, don't we? We have, like, little shows that you can't, like... I went for a real phase of Homes Under the Hammer where I was mm. just... That became this kind of weird comfort. And I guess that's mm. what it is. It's kind of... it's. The, I know what you mean. It's the gentleness and it's it's so English. Well, that's the other thing. And the, and the Englishness of it... And again, it's partly why was, you know, I appreciate things like the Bake Off or Repair Shop. I love the fact that it's like so twee and so light and frothy but it's like it's prime time television it's mm. like seven o'clock on a friday night it's, it's the, the big, biggest show on tv it's the biggest show it's it's so funny isn't it how that's happened where if you're trying to promote anything like no other show there's like i think something like seven million people watch it yeah, like, it gets no... four times the number of viewers of Graham Norton with like yeah. Brad Pitt and Arnold Schwarzenegger on the sofa. Isn't that incredible? There's something <laughs> yeah. so fascinating about that. You're right that if Brad Pitt really wants to sell his films, he has to have yeah. a chat with Jermaine Jenis. There's, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and oh, Christ, it's the deal you... you have to make. But would you have? And Jermaine is lovely, but you would never have predicted that when you saw him play midfield for Tottenham. You'd never have thought there's going to be a world in which this bloke's the gatekeeper for box office success. <laughs> like, yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like, wow. Yeah. He's the difference between breaking a billion dollars of yeah, box man. office. Yeah, exactly. And, and not. But it's also because it's replaced, I guess, because it's, it's magazine television and we don't really read magazines anymore. And there was a lot more of that, like, in the sort of 90s and noughties, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, magazines were just like random stories and just this like hodgepodge of loads of different genres like packed together and, yeah. and and i guess you know the one show is now like the television equivalent of that it's just so like gloriously random but uh, have you ever take a break magazine is sensational and whenever yes. I, whenever i'm in a tesco you know me and my brother will um will go to that and viz magazine did an incredible parody of it called take a shit magazine and it was it was sort of a fictitious front page and one of the headlines was my husband's cock is 20 miles long and it's fucking a woman in the other village. And it was and it was this photo of her just kind of going like this. <laughs> like that. She was really like... It was... At, and like, every so often, oh. me and my brother will reminisce on that Take a Shit magazine. It's, so I guess good. I guess the Daily Sport does that as well. You know, the, mm. where you'd have that... Have you, have you ever been a Daily Sport headline? 
No, I don't think so. I think there was maybe one I did about a joke that I got in trouble for, but I, I don't think I've ever been. Okay. Uh, were you? Were you one? Yeah, there was a there was a beautiful picture of a really upset old lady, and she had a tattoo of my face on her arm, and the headline yeah. was uh, "I wanted a tattoo of Russell Grant, not that cunt." <laughs> and you know, I mean, I, oh, that's framed in the toilet. Yeah, sure. I, but I couldn't yeah. tell you how many texts I got that week. Do you have other shows that you adore? That, that are sort of off the beaten track. But I am, I'm a bit, I, I'm a bit worried, like about how boring and old I'm becoming right. at such a like rapid rate. And there's lots of different. I mean, literally, as I speak to you now, I'm wearing a pair of Sketches because I've Ooh. just decided they are really comfortable shoes. I wore them on stage as a joke so that I could make some jokes about Jamie Redknapp, and I just wear them on a day to day basis. And I guess I am just a Sketches wearer, which is, you know, not great. Um, but in terms of television, I was sat at home the other day watching my sketches and the Antiques Roadshow is on. And as a child, I could not think of anything more boring than the Antiques Roadshow. And it sort of came on the television the other night by accident. I was just sat at home and I started watching it and it like started drawing me in. And I was way more intrigued about the object and the little trinkets and the paintings. And I could I could feel myself being like charmed by it. And then suddenly I was like riveted to the point where it got to the end. And obviously they build up to like the big piece of the episode. And she did the valuation. It was for a pearl that someone had found in their attic. Yeah. And she, she said the valuation and I let out an audible gasp. I went, oh, and I was like, what is that? Like, that, yeah. that, that noise just came out of me. Like, I've now lost the battle. I've lost the war. That's it now. I'm just a boring old person. I love the fact that when you made that noise, your dad was somewhere and just went, it is time. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And he just, very, so, so funny. But, the, but yeah. wouldn't that be great if you and your dad did another travel show and you just had so much in common? Rather than it being, do you know what I mean? Rather than convincing each other to do sort of different stuff, be like, do you want to go abseiling? Absolutely not. No. Uh, do you want to take yeah. out a little little thoroughfare? I would love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there a show that you find yourself thinking, I'd love to hijack that with my dad? Well, I, 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 I pitched a um, comic relief. I wanted to take him on repair shop as an, oh. as an item. Yeah. And that would be the sketch was me taking him on because he's stopped working and, uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I would quite like to to hijack that. I do love a bit of the repair shop. Um, so you really do like this? It's proper, like, comfortable Sunday night telly. What are you eating with this? Paint the picture. Are you, uh, are you a delivery uh, guy? Do you cook? I'm a delivery guy. Probably yeah. something quite mild and bland. Old man food again, because I can't trust my stomach anymore. <laughs> I gave up about three years ago. Just said you're on your own now. You've had 35 years of good service, and I'm out the door. Uh, so yeah, I have to be probably quite careful about what I eat. It's so depressing. What? So, uh, so you, yeah. can't, you couldn't even have like a curry. Have you got like what, what's the problem if, with the? If I had if I had an Imodium chaser, then maybe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. This is it's it feels mild, like... bland wartime food and between, <laughs> like, early evening television in a pair of sketches. It feels like your daughter has come along at the perfect time because <laughs> yeah. she's she's acting as an alibi. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I had to, I had to calm down for the kid, but it turns yeah. out your body packed in three years ago. And God bless yeah. this youngster; she's come along. Um, is you your... wanted to get us one of those retractable chairs as well, which <laughs> I refused because I was like, I, I don't think that's great. I think that is really a sign that you've given up when you've got the and the chair that's advertised at like twelve o'clock yeah, on, man. on television. Have you got a walking bath? Have you got a walking bath? <laughs> she would have a walking bath. I would have a walking bath. I'd love a walking bath. 
So what's what's the next item? I mean, I'm also going to put trashy reality television in as well because that okay. is a real guilty pleasure of mine, and I do find myself every year like vowing not to watch a series of Love Island, and then like a moth to a flame, I can't help myself. As someone that's never, I've never watched an episode of Love Island. So what am I missing? Because I guess my problem with it is they're all too attractive. And if I was mm. at a nightclub, I wouldn't be willing attractive people to, to have sex. Do you know but what I mean? You're not watching it for that. You're not watching it for that. You're watching it for when it goes wrong. And for me, ah, I, I enjoy see. like the four weeks in the middle when they're having to like have tragedy and betrayal and, I see. and anguish. And I like watching the beautiful people. Uh, being Unravel. tortured yeah so it's the <laughs> when it gets shakespearean you're into it but yeah would... and then it gets all happy at the end and i stop watching i don't watch the last two <laughs> weeks of love island i literally just watch the four weeks in the middle where they've all paired up and then the producers just like meddle with them for four weeks and it's glorious and it's chaotic and it is yeah positively shakespearean so there's like a little sweet spot of love island when you yeah. should bother watching it and then just forget about the rest of it because uh, as you say you don't want to have the ending for any of these people yeah <laughs> you I, I, just want to see them put through the mill are you trying to make me say happy ending no. Are you trying to you trying to bake at me live? Because my um my uncle John was in a band called The Truth and the Happy Endings, genuinely true, and the the happy endings were uh, his five daughters, and oh no yeah correct, and nobody could tell him like that, and because it's an awful thing to say. But, you know, and they used to draw quite sizable crowds who were really disappointed when they started playing music. But, um, yeah, man. Here's one. Have you ever watched Race Across the World? Yes, I like oh, Race Across the World. Unbelievable. That was, Me yeah. and my wife got really hooked on that, genuinely. That was... SAS Who Dares Wins. You get to watch, like, former SAS soldiers beasting Matt Hancock okay. and Arge from TOWIE yeah. for, like, six weeks. Like, that. That's not that's an easy sell, right? Oh, I'd love that. Even if you're not big into reality television. No, but the you, idea of having Matt Hancock humiliated. Do you know what I'm big into? And I think it might be a problem, but I like watching big people lose weight. Like I really like it. Like if I to yeah. the point where if I see someone who's kind of, you know, a bit bubbly at the gym and they're doing pull-ups, I'll count them. Like, but but it, it, with a, a real sense of pride, I love it. The idea of someone getting hold of their life and just, I don't, yeah. it, it makes me weird, doesn't it? Like Dan's looking at me in a strange way, but I lo- like all those Biggest Loser, all those shows, oh, yeah. because you know when you got these big people, they're very unhappy, and then I think it's Davina McCall comes along, and then they they're jogging every night, and then they earn money, and they look great. Mm. I love I love all that shit. So you and Roxy watch the the trash together. Does she have a mm. show that you won't watch? Is there anything you won't go near? I find myself, and I, this must be like a sadomasochistic thing, and I hate that I'm even curious about it, but I do, if it was on, would watch Made in Chelsea, and that feels really wrong because... Does it feel like there, but I for the grace of God? I, <laughs> I think a little bit. Yeah. I think a little bit, and maybe that's why I watch it. Yeah. It just sort of makes me happy with some of my choices. Yeah, but... <laughs> Do you? But here's the interesting thing about I've met a few of the Made in Chelsea lot. They are an unbelievably nice bunch of people. I bumped into that Jamie Lang, um, lovely chap, lovely chap, um, and uh, but he was just riding his bike without a care in the world. Like 
I've, I don't think I've ever seen anyone. I mean, you know, in fairness, if your family own McVitie's, yeah, you, you're going to look pretty light. But <laughs> no, I mean, I I know Jamie, and because he, I mean, he's a friend of mine, but he's also a friend of my my sisters. They're very close. Oh, is that right? We get on very well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But he lives nearby me. I wouldn't necessarily stop and have a chat with him if I saw him. I might. He, he's the kind of person that I like hanging out with him. But were I not in the mood for it, I might like just slightly lower the cap and yeah. keep walking. Yeah. And I flew all the way to the Maldives, two separate flights, and then on one of those like rickety little planes with Roxy to go on one of our first holidays away together. And we traveled for what felt like 50 hours to get there. And we went and they took us out onto this like little cabin that was over the ocean. And I walked out and it was just like bliss. And finally, like, was able to kind of breathe. And I was like, this is just the perfect getaway. And I heard, Oi, mate! Whitehall, and I turned to my left, and Jamie was in the cabin next to me. I was like, "This is just the worst thing that could possibly happen." (laughs) The guy that I actively try and avoid when I see him in London is staying in the cabin next to me in like this idyllic, like little picturesque island in the middle of nowhere. And then it was just like him trying to hang out with me for the whole of the holiday. And we also had this thing where I, you know. I went back into the room and I said, Roxy, it's so annoying. Jamie Lang is next door. And she was like, it's fine. We won't see him. We can just, you know, spend our time in our room and we might Fuck see him in the restaurant up. every now and again. I went into the toilet and in the toilet, in the bathroom, there was like a glass floor so that you could look down into the ocean. And I'm sat on the shitter and I'm looking down into the ocean, all of the fish. And I see him swimming underneath <laughs> with his goggles on, like waving up at me through the glass floor. I was like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. I want to check out and go immediately. <laughs> It's unbelievable, isn't it? Can you can you imagine that moment? I mean, that is completely it's so it's, annoying. It's utterly broke down. But, oh, it's brilliant. But Jack, so Jack told me that story when, right, when I had flown to the Maldives. Jack had also flown to the Maldives, and we oh, yeah. we bumped into each other in the queue at the Maldives, and I took that as a fucking warning, like where he was, like, and to the point he goes, "Where are you staying?" And it turns out we were staying at the same hotel, and he told me this story as if to go, "If you dare swim underneath my, me, I will kill you." But we were staying in different, we were staying in different hotels, but it's yeah. it's that weird thing, isn't it, where you sort of you see somebody particularly the Maldives, you kind of go, right, it's a sort of romantic getaway. It's yeah. kind of all that. And then you see a mate and then it's just that awkward thing. We were sort of chatting and I could feel our respective partners go, I don't want this to be the whole holiday. No, like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we were talking about football within seconds yeah. and during Arsenal get top four, you know, it's a good job. Mm. And the queue yeah. is just bumbling along. You were on a separate island, though, so that that was fine. Like J- Jamie Lang was literally a seagull's throw from my room, <laughs> which is which is which is too close. What is the um, what's the next thing going in the box? The next thing I'd like to put into my box is Jack Grealish. Okay, it's going to be tricky Absolutely to get him in there. Love that man. What what but is I it? Think wonderful, what? wonderful footballer. I love everything that he sort of stands for and represents i love his attitude to life and the game i love the fact that he is a maverick both on and off the pitch mm. he's skillful he's a bit cocky he's funny uh he has that kind of thing that you don't get with a lot of footballers where not that not that in any way he makes me think, oh, I could do this. <laughs> and I could be a footballer because he obviously has 
a divine, like God-given talent as well. But his sort of attitude towards being a professional athlete is something that I can really get on board with and the fact that he enjoys himself. Yeah. And he goes out after every game and gets drunk and then is able to <laughs> like maintain that level of performance, I think is incredible. And I have so much more respect for that. Like I've always said, you know, the Lionel Messi um maradona debate where people are like who's the greatest of all time and everyone's like oh it's messy because of the numbers and the trophies and i'm like well messi has never done a whole season where he's been taking coke for three days <laughs> yeah. every week and then having to perform at that level so until he does one of those seasons we will never know yes and i think Grealish, like that's the level of performance that he is putting in when he's getting battered every weekend yeah. um, like imagine what would happen if he was sober and I hope that never happens. I hope that he, he's the one that proves that you can do it consistently as well. Because yeah. no one's done like the doing it to 36, 37, 38. They're like, oh, Ronaldo, he keeps going and going. But that's because of his level of fitness and his attitude towards the game. Greedish, I want to become the first person that is able to still be playing at 40 and to still be gaining it every weekend. Absolutely. And people to go, he's the guy. And he's I, the goat. And I kind of feel like when he moves into punditry, we could see him on Monday Night Football just rocking up with a couple of cans. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, to, yes. to my knowledge, that's not been done. Just a six-pack yeah. of Heineken and just... Psh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're just going to do the wide man, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Couple of unaccounted for bruises. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) One shoe. Yeah, one shoe. Getting a little bit leery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of the like discussion of games. What are you talking about, Shearer? I used to, I used to love, I used to love that about Shane Warne. That there was that sort of sense of, like you say, something of the divine about him, but something of the of the lad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That just someone that is clearly, you look at Jack Grealish, he's enjoying his life. And it's that, that beautiful moment when uh, the, he's talking to, some, to a young lad who has a disability and he asked him to do that. Was it the worm yeah. celebration? Yeah. And yeah. then he scores and he does it. Just beautiful. Like, that's such a lovely thing to do because it, me- it means nothing to Jack Grealish, but it means mm. everything to that kid. Just yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of so yeah. He's got he's clearly a really really lovely bloke as yeah, well. Exactly. And, Would you? Uh, I know you're an Arsenal fan. Thierry Henry or Grealish? I mean, it would it would be Thierry Henry just because of my affiliations to Arsenal. But the thing about Grealish, and this is again like something that's amazing, is that he allowed me to enjoy Man City's success. I really do not like Man City. I do not like the fact that they're this sort of like cheat code football, I, I think in this kind of era there, you know, like Man United were when we were growing up, it's mm. very hard to like Manchester City. But he is this like lone, like beacon that is able to allow you to slightly bask in their success, which I just, I think is staggering that you could have a team winning the treble. And whilst, you know, it's not my team, I just enjoyed watching Jack Grealish on the top of that, you know, and the open bus. roof bus going through Manchester. And I actually, like, uh, name drop, but I was in Ibiza uh, that weekend on my brother's stag do. Yeah. I was in a, in a club yeah. and I turned around and I saw um, Grealish and, and I was next to them in this club and they'd just flown straight out from Manchester. And so I ended up with them uh, all in, in Ibiza after they'd won the, the Champions League, which was amazing. For your brother's and, stag do? 
for my brother's stag do. So my brother's stag do in Man City sort of joined oh, forces wow. and had this amazing like moment where we were all doing shots on on the dance floor. <laughs> and the best thing again about it is that you saw um, Harland who had like one drink that he was sort of like carefully like sipping all evening and was totally composed. You had, and I, I genuinely, this was happening. You had Rodri and uh, Ruben Diaz sort of screening their VIP area like they do on the pitch. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't know whether that was like a decision that they made, but it definitely felt like they had applied some tactics to how they were going to uh, keep themselves safe within the club. And then you had just Grealish, just like loose as a goose in the middle of all of it. But then he was still going like three days later. I was just like so commendable. And what did you do? That's exactly how I would react yes. if I had any yes. kind of, moment of triumph like that be it on a sports pitch or you know if i ever won an award i could see myself going on a three-day bender like him and being completely incoherent by the monday what did you do the day after you just spent the night with the man city squad for the stag do i mean presumably was that the beginning of the stag do it was the second day of the stag do so yeah what you do the day I after myself- you hang out with man city like <laughs> yeah. Do you go paintballing? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I did, Ross. I slept because I, and, and I think I have quite a good constitution and I've been pacing myself a little bit, but, you know, it was up till whatever, three or four o'clock, partying away with them. Uh, and the following day, I literally had to go and lock myself in a room and sleep for two days and, and consume as much water as I could and ibuprofens and paracetamols and healthy food and full detox mode and go to the gym and all of those things and was not right for a week. Jack Grealish Carried was on. in Manchester, like literally downing pints of vodka and um, <laughs> singing songs at like nine o'clock the following morning. It's such an English thing, isn't it? Because I, I sort of think... The only the person I can compare him with is Freddie Flintoff when they won the yes, Ashes, exactly. and it was yeah. that lovely kind of bleary eyed photo. And my like my dad got a a calendar of Freddie Flintoff around that. And my dad's not even into cricket, but he and mm. it was different pictures of Flintoff, like mm. the the days after they won the Ashes for January through to December. Mm. And I think that this sort of just this British thing that we like somebody that has sporting excellence but mm. isn't a robot that's what we like isn't yes. it it's somebody yeah. that 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 can humanizes it yeah achieve the divine and then just get ratted it's a bit <laughs> yeah. like uh, when chloe kelly scored the winner in the euros then they were interviewing her and my favorite moment of that is she was like oh yeah yeah it was yeah it was good girl. listen i got to go is that all right i want to just dance with the rest of the she couldn't give a shit about doing the big ITV interview. Yeah. She, she wanted to sing Sweet Caroline with her mates. And that yeah. is what we love, isn't it? We just love yeah. swagger. Mm. Swagger. And also, it's even more of an anomaly now. And I think yeah. that's why people appreciate him even more, is that even in, within that team, you've got like Erling Haaland, who's getting up at 5 a.m. and eating like elk for every meal yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, training nonstop and his body is a temple. And, you know, you forget that like when Gaza was being Gaza, Gaza was playing in teams where he was the one that had a problem because he was doing five points at half time rather mm. than four. Razor Ruddock and, and, and Merson and Ray Parler doing Cobra Bombs at full time and the, the Tuesday club. And like, it was just like part of the culture. Whereas now it is so not part of the culture. And yeah. it is so rare to have this like throwback to that, that era of, of footballer, but where they were professional athletes, but also, 
really really going for it off the pitch and there's just like no one else that like does that and Jack Grealish is I always say has the talent of Gary Lineker on the pitch and Wayne Lineker off it. And, uh, <laughs> a lot of time for that. That is that is an excellent point. You, you complete. What I love is every so often you get a throwback to the old world. When the Queen died, uh, I don't know if you saw Ray Parler's tribute. Oh, uh, oh my God. Did you see that? Uh, I did see it. I'm it's, a huge fan of Ray Parler. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen because he did it so earnestly. For anyone who didn't see it, Ray Parler, who used to play right midfield for Arsenal uh, during the um, Invincibles era, did a Cobra bomb. And there was a moment where he goes, yeah, just do a Cobra bomb. I, I don't know if she was into the Cobra bomb, I don't know. But, and, it, and it's so lovely because he's, yeah. he's trying to be nice. And no, yeah. no, and this was the day after. And he literally, like a Cobra bomb is where there's a little bit of Cobra and the rest of it's Jaeger. Yeah. It's so, but he, he does it, he downs it. And then I think he sings the national anthem. It's fucking yeah. mesmerising. <laughs> This is for this is for the it was for the empire. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what I like. The but... in, Indian beer, you have the, the, the German core, yeah. and the Englishman consuming it. it that's was a wonderful it. Tribute. Yeah, yeah. If you look, if you look deep, it was actually incredibly thoughtful, emblematic. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, uh, so here we are. You asked me how you top uh, hanging out with Man City in a super club on your brother's stag do. Do you know how you top it? The following day, you get Ray Parler to do a Cobra bomb for your brother's stag do, which I did and I have on my phone and asked Ray, reached out to him uh, via the correct channels and I said, is there any chance you would do a Cobra bomb for my brother? And he uh, sent that back and I have got to say that was one of the highlights of the weekend as well. Oh, that's unbelievable. Right, as, yeah. we're, as we're doing it, as we're sort of like name dropping, I had the coolest <laughs> mo moment of my life uh, on the Thursday. I was off to Lisbon with my friends from university. We were going to play a football game, actually, because my friend lives out there. I was having to wait for my bag because, like a fool, I'd left my laptop in and they had to check it, blah, blah, blah. I see Jude Bellingham out the corner of my eye just after he's played against Scotland. And I kind of go up to him and I say, uh, hey, Jude, um, I said, congratulations, uh, such a great footballer. And he goes oh, man, nice to meet you, kind of recognises me. And I said, well done, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. So I go back. I'm waiting for my bag, and it's got on my phone. Jude Bellingham came back to me and said, sorry to be a hassle, man. Can I get a selfie? Oh, my God. Uh, and I That's... was like, absolutely, of course, of course, yeah. So I get this photo with this potential Ballon d'Or winner, and, yeah. I, and I can't get my phone to take a photo with him. And... I was, and we were chatting, I talked to his mum and his mum was lovely. And then I started following on Instagram because I had this fantasy that he was going to put a photo of me and him up <laughs> and it just didn't happen. And none of my fucking mates believed me because I was the only one. And I'm like, yeah, Jude Bellingham was it. Well, why is he not in the lounge? I, 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 I don't know. But I swear down, if Jude Bellingham's listening, you need to back me up. But it was, it's that thing when you, we're very lucky to meet people and then every so often you meet someone that sort of transcends it all. It's like when I, I um, met Billy Connolly once. There's certain people, you know, Bellingham, Connolly, Ray Parlett. When you sort of meet those people that you yeah. just... Who is the, who's the, the biggest for you? I guess The Rock. Well, I mean, you've worked with The Rock. I'm going to tell you about the, one of the worst experiences. Well, not the worst. It was, it was quite funny. Okay. But this was a time when I messed up with a sportsman. Yeah. And it was, I went to the Rugby World Cup final in Japan. 
yeah. and watched England unfortunately lose to South Africa and then afterwards ended up in the hotel with all of them and I saw Tom Curry who is the England flanker and was one of the best players of the tournament yeah. and I'm a big admirer of his and he was there with all of his family and wife and mom and dad and I went over to them and, and I said to Tom I was like oh, mate honestly I'm absolutely gutted for you you were so good like you are a world class rugby player and you did not deserve to be on the losing team and please can I can I get everyone a drink let me get what, what do you want and bought him a drink I was like let me get can I get all of your family oh. and then we get more for your wife let's get a bottle of champagne please Oh. and let's get do you want to do shot let's do shot the shots for everyone and champagne please for mm. tom got them all drinks and like get, handed over my card and i said can i just say you're amazing and and thank you so much for everything and only at that point having purchased all of the drinks did he say i'm not actually tom curry i'm his twin brother oh. <laughs> and you could have stopped me at any point, <laughs> any point of the like massive, big, grand gesture, yeah. uh, the getting the bottle of champagne. Like you could have told me that you are, you you clearly knew that I thought you were Tom Curry, yeah. and let me go and do the whole thing. And the only saving grace was that then I was able to go over to one of my friends and tell him that it was Tom Curry and watch him do exactly the oh, same nice. thing. Oh, nice, very. <laughs> and good. so we got two rounds of drink. So I was able to throw someone else under the bus, which was quite enjoyable. Oh, that's superb, man. Did you then see Tom Curry and not get him a drink? Yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're probably yeah, all right. Not, yeah. not falling for that again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I did, because I, I, I thought of it, because Jude Bellingham, he's got a twin brother, hasn't he? Or a, a, he's got a... I think he's, he's, got, a he's got a younger brother. brother who's called, I think it's Job that plays... Mm. I, think, I he, think it was probably Job that came up to you. It was definitely him. And because I knew, basically, because his dad used to play for Leamington. And I lived in Leamington for a bit whilst <clears> my wife was at uni. So we had that kind of chat. But you've got no witnesses and no photo. Fuck off. No witnesses, no photos. He's got the photo. He's got the photo. But he keeps putting up photos of him training with all all these professional footballers and scoring in La Liga. Right, what is the, uh, what's the next one? Okay, so the next thing I'm going to put in is Glastonbury uh, Music Festival, which I absolutely love and is one of my highlights of the year. Do you um, go every year? Every year. I, I have. I didn't go this year uh-huh. because Rocks was heavily pregnant yeah, and yeah. I did not feel appropriate. But yeah. I cannot wait to be there next year with the baby strapped to me and the papoose with the ear defenders on. Um <laughs> And I just, yeah, I love it. I, I went for the first time like 10, 10 years ago and just had such a like amazing experience there. And, and have you have you ever performed there or are you just watching? Uh, technically, I've never performed there. I have, this is quite baller. I don't know if it's baller or just Kena. <laughs> I had it built into a contract that I could return to Glastonbury under the proviso that I was uh, performing there. I was not performing there. I was just attending the festival as a punter, but went through like a protracted negotiation on a job and had to like have that time carved out so that I could fly back to England to go to Glastonbury for three days and then had to return to the job afterwards and be like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. And was like, well, how was your show? And I was like, well, oh, yes, yeah, the show. Yeah, no, 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 the show went really well. It was wow. great. So that was, so that was, a, was that a movie? Uh, yes. Wowzers. Isn't Listen, that interesting? Yeah. But I love it, and I go, go with a similar group of people every year. So it's become my that. brother and my sister. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to Coachella? I have been to Coachella, and I did not enjoy it. Yeah, because the interesting about Coachella, it feels like as soon as the bands come on, everyone turns around, 
and then starts filming themselves. So no one is actually there. Whereas at Glastonbury, it still feels like everybody is there for the, the do you know mm. what I mean? They're, it's so chaotic. Everyone's bashing about. So there isn't time to look good. There isn't time mm. to film yourself. You can get a couple of selfies, but when you're in yeah. the gig, you're in the gig. Whereas Coachella, yeah. it's this oddly sedate thing where you're not allowed to take booze to certain areas. And mm. it's all, it just feels like the, the vibe is about looking good rather than getting filthy and having three days in mud watching bands. Yes, exactly. And it's like, Coachella for me was a bit like a sort of Instagram filter that has sprung yeah. to life. Yeah. And it's very corporate. And again, yeah, you're right. You're sort of golf buggied around everywhere. And it's all like little like VIP areas and everything's very clean. Mm. And it's just, I, I like the fact that with Bastonby as well, you do have to go through a, a little bit of a, you know, ordeal and an odyssey to mm-hmm. you come away from it with sleep deprivation and food poisoning and trench foot. And you've spent three days sitting in a trough and, you know, walked miles and miles and miles. And I don't know, there's like a sadomasochistic element to it. Yeah. That I quite enjoy you have to suffer for it. And also, uh, there's quite grueling. There's a bit of mayhem to it as well. I remember seeing mm. once seeing a kid. Who had his face painted like a tiger? It was like a little six-year-old, and he was with his—I assume his dad, because I remember his dad talking. Right, let's go find somebody on mushrooms, and mm. just seeing like that—you just like basically a child dressed as a tiger and his dad trying to find somebody on mushrooms yeah. to freak him out. I was at Gastonbury once, and I went to see Disclosure, the DJs. I don't know them. Yeah. I had there's two two young guys, and they're very good DJs, and I went to watch them. <laughs> Really enjoyed their set. I was having a very merry time, and then afterwards ended up being sort of taken to the backstage area and just there like Winnebago. And I went up to this guy. I was like, "Mate, honestly, that's one of the best sets I've ever seen." I, I, it's like tra- transcendental, and I think I had like one of the most magical experiences that I've ever had. Like listening to any musician, like watching you DJ, and he was like, "Um." I'm going to stop you there. I'm actually their manager. That's the <laughs> and I've just been gnawing the ear off some poor bloke yeah. who was Disclosure's manager, but I had been maybe so swept up in the joy of the game that I hadn't actually looked up onto the stage and clocked who was DJ. And do you... <laughs> that wasn't idea. Do you and Roxy have similar musical taste? Yeah, but like like last year when we went to, to Glastonbury, we ended up going to see Megan the Stallion or yeah. T Stallion. What do you say? D or D? Anyway, uh, not someone that I necessarily would have sought out myself but rocks was like we've got to go see it, it was amazing uh, like such an incredible like person to see live um chemical brothers that's the best um performance I think what's it? hey boy hey girl superstar yeah, dj superstar here, DJs. We go. here we go I had... again they just like visually they just oh it's amazing um what the, what nate there was i came on to a uh chemical brothers right here right now is that them or is that fat boy slim yeah, that leaves me utterly traumatised because I'm... <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm backstage at, like, the O2 and I had this sort of, like, kabuki drop where I would suddenly appear. Yeah. But I'd be stood there in the middle of this arena just waiting for the gig to start and you just had, like, a minute on your own of, like, OK, here we go. Right, it's perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. <laughs> Alas, my version of that song is Annie Lennox walking on broken glass. Oh, right. What? That, that that's that would just that would be the song that I came out to for my mm. first tour that brings back all of those memories of like yeah. your 
mind temporarily leaving your body <clears throat> as you're about to walk on stage for the first time. The next thing that I'm really intrigued by is um, that you put pomegranate seeds. Is that right? You want to, you want to put pomegranate just, seeds yeah. into your wonder box? Yeah, I mean, it was, I was slightly running out of ideas by this point, That's but then fine. I was just like, "What do I really like?" And I was like, "Maybe there's a food type, or um, you know, some kind of they're quite sour. In the kitchen. They're quite no. sour. No, no, you want to chuck those ones out? Oh, really? But they've got a little bit at the end, so you bite through them. No? And it's good. A little Am bit I'm... of texture. Add a little bit of texture to your salad and then like a little burst of uh, fruit and, and lightness and freshness. And I put them on everything. Sprinkle them on anything and it will elevate it and make it look like restaurant quality food. That's it. Yeah, it's it definitely one of those. I like a fruit that can be added to a savoury dish as well. Which, okay. you know, you need to be a little bit careful with that. You don't want to be like chopping up a banana and chucking that onto a salad. But the pomegranate is very versatile. It, it's could... not just it's moorish mouthfeel it's also it's versatility is a bedfellow for many many dishes that's a fair call the the pomegranate can play in any team can i tell you something else that i do with my pomegranate seeds yeah when you order your chinese takeaway and you do your duck pancakes yeah pomegranate seeds in there pomegranate and duck is brilliant together and if you want to just like slightly elevate that yeah that duck pancake to the next level sprinkle a light little dusting of pomegranate seeds in it. Blow your mind. That's interesting. Okay. And do you have that separately? You, you don't have a Chinese restaurant. You go add some... No. Okay. No, no. I would have to purchase that separately. Right, yeah, okay. I, I, they, 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 I, although I say that. I live in Notting Hill. I'm sure there is a Chinese around here that would do pomegranate seeds as well. Do you find yourself... Like painting you... the words that are coming out of my mouth. No, as no, I no, no, no. Yes, for the last ten minutes, <laughs> I've kind of wanted to punch myself in the face as I made this ode to pomegranates. What I find, like, whenever because I, I did a bit of research, which always feels a bit weird given that you're my mate. But what, what I find odd is they always mention how much your house costs. Have you noticed yeah, that? It, and it, it didn't cost that much. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but it, you know when you go, I bet he's never said that. Like, because why? <laughs> why would you ever say, "Hey, man, Jack Whitehall nice to me. Guess how much my house is worth?" <laughs> like, no one's ever said. It's just so British. You just would yeah. never go. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, how much? You probably want to know how much my house is worth. But it looks very nice. Have you spent time making the house kind of baby-proof? No, I haven't done that. That element of it yet. Yeah, but yeah. I've been trying to make it look less like the abode of a Russian oligarch and try to <laughs> soften it a little bit. Will Although you... I don't think having one of my enemy's pelvises on display behind me is necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. helping I was with that. Say. I something a little bit kind of soft in there. Yeah. Will you be in Notting Hill forever, do you think? Or will you uh, will you move? I mean, I lived for eight years on the road opposite. And then when I bought the house, I moved like literally four doors down and over the road. Yeah, so. Yeah. I feel like maybe I'll be. It's your comfort. It might, it's my comfort now. Where did you? I go- need somewhere where I can get away with talking about how much I love pomegranate seeds. Yeah, and not end up with a black eye. Yeah, you can't imagine that. You can't have, like suddenly no. move to Stoke, um, no. <laughs> buy a house called Pomegranate Towers. <laughs> we, um, we, I'd love to know how that conversation would go. Be called up the Chinese takeaway in Stoke and ask them to slip a couple of pomegranate seeds. Yeah, up but it is it's an interesting thing i'd imagine people at home have their own like little food hacks and dan i'm drawn to you because you i mean you really know your way around a kitchen uh, are there any kind of sort of recipes because i'm going to try that and i bet people listening at home and go yeah i'll give that a whirl 
So pomegranate seeds, you want to try... It's very Middle Eastern ingredient. Yeah. So what you want to do is get that in the... Uh, there's a classic jewelled rice they use for celebrations mm. and things. Jewelled uh, rice? It's like a pilaf rice, and there's pomegranate seeds throughout it. It's absolutely insane. So uh, so it's actually within the rice, not yeah, on top? Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Well, you don't cook that, do you? No, you, you put them in after at the end. Interesting. Very good. Quinoa as well. Good with quinoa. Wait, well, you mentioned earlier that you got the word quinoa wrong. How how wrong did you get it? Oh, quinoa. Do you know what I mean? Like I went full in. Yeah. Mm. My brother had a moment the other day where he said uh, he was getting the three o'clock flight from Edinburgh to London. Uh, he said, mm. yeah, I'm going to get the red eye. And um, I said, what? And he went, you know what I mean? Just the, the flight. It's another word for flight, isn't it? I said, no, it's not. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, the red eye is like an overnight flight where you, you wake up and your eyes are red. That's why it's called the red eye. And there was this moment where you could see my brother calculating all the people he'd said red eye to. I love, but you know those moments in life? I, yeah. I remember saying hyperbole to Ross Kemp. On, on telly, Ross Kemp was covering for Paul O'Grady on his Channel 5 show. And I was next to Scylla Black and I said hyperbole. And Scylla let out a cackle and Ross Kemp laughed at me. It was just a, just a really wow. low moment <laughs> where you just kind of go, why have I done? Is it hyperbole? Oh, for fuck. <laughs> you know, but... Um... We had, um, I did a show with Rosie Perez um, oh, on yeah. Sky and she lived in London for a bit and her flat was in Maida Vale. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember coming on the set one day and she was like, it's so annoying. None of these drivers know where I live. Whenever I get in the cab, they're so confused. It's, it's a nightmare. And I was like, what are you saying to them? And she went, I just get in and I say, can you take me to Matta Valley? And they never know. And I'm like, yeah, you've got that. So, so wrong. So I used to live in Maida Vale and I did Graham Norton with Maggie Gillenhall and Charlotte Church. And she uh, was looking for somewhere to go for food. And I said, do you like Thai food? And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, there's a place called Thai Rice opposite the tube. That's absolutely amazing. And she said, oh, I think we're going to go to the Dorchester. And you know the moment <laughs> where you go, all right, yeah, I, just, I, just, I just didn't know the budget. I just, I and Charlotte Church went, Jesus Christ, man, Thai rice, fucking hell, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm just you know, giving her an option, Charlotte. And she That's was like, so funny. What's the uh, what is the final one? What is the final thing you'd like to put in this in this box forever? Well, or it could be the container that I'm putting all of these things mm. into. Okay, I've selected Tupperware. Right, we're into Tupperware recently, and maybe that's because I've been nesting and I've been spending more time at home. And obviously, as well, the downside of pomegranates is that they do go off very quickly. So I, I do really now embrace the wonders of Tupperware, and I would like that to be preserved for all eternity what are you what are you putting in tupperware most often anything now i've just completely stopped using cling film and tin foil and any other kind of receptacle it's just everything goes into tupperware now so what is there anything you wouldn't have in tupperware is there anything that you just is is there a food that you because there's certain foods you can save but are there certain foods where as soon as it's out it's just gone like there's no way you're saving it Here's something that I've done, which I think is peak, is I put I put Tupperware into Tupperware. So I've had like, like a babushka of Tupperware. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a takeaway in a sort of, you know, the slightly mangy, like floppy Tupperware. Yeah. And I've thought there's no lid to this. So I've chucked the lid away and then I've looked at it 
And I thought I could decant this into my Tupperware or I could keep my Tupperware clean and put this Tupperware within the Tupperware mm. and then seal it up. So yeah. I put Tupperware into Tupperware. And does your partner share this love? Uh, she a food no, I don't hoarder? think she's as keen on it. She's yeah. not as much of a hoarder as finds it all quite strange. And now that you've got you've got a little one, do you presumably now there's this mishmash of your food and and her food? I have noticed that, like the colonisation of the fridge. Obviously, it starts with your kind of your drawers and uh, you know the bathrooms so yeah. absolutely gets taken over as a man and then when you become a father it's the fridge you start losing space in the fridge and so that's why Tupperware becomes even more important because then I can sort of compartmentalise it and te- tetricize my areas of the fridge to contain as much food as possible here's a vulgar question you don't have to answer this presumably breast milk is knocking around it's in the fridge mm. <laughs> yeah have you tried a bit? Because it's meant to be very, very good for you. I haven't. But the other day, I was going to the fridge to make a tea. And there was, I picked up a carton and there was nothing in it. And I looked up at the breast milk and I thought, no one's going to know. And I bet it would be quite delicious in a tea. <laughs> I, I and think... then I noticed at the back of the fridge, tucked behind a couple of Tupperwares of old takeaway food, there was a carton of oat milk lying on its side, which I hadn't spotted. But in my head, I'd already made the choice. I was already ready. I was already there. And it didn't take a lot for me to no. um, think, I'm going to steal some of it. But also, the baby's breast milk is quite precious at the moment. And, you know, Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would not have been a great look if I'd yeah. been there with the milk moustache <laughs> and she'd come in and go, the baby needs feeding. I'd be like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've got a starving baby and daddy's having yeah. a boob milk latte. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, if she's if she expresses a big amount, I think if you were gonna have it, a little kind of, you know, quite literally a baby chino, I think I don't know, I think it'd be all right. Mm. A bitty chino. A bitty chino, no less. <laughs> Would you do that, Dan? Were you ever tempted when you when you had lit? No, not no. It's not my bag. No. No. You, but you didn't look at it and just like as a food connoisseur think. Oh, I wonder what that adds to mashed potato. Yeah. No. I think once you get there, you'll. You, yeah, you will not. No, no. no. Okay. I love you. I love, <laughs> love when you choose to go to Dan. Dan, you're a great chef. Uh, what are some good dishes to use pomegranates in? Dan, would you ever drink your wife's bread? <laughs> <laughs> you're a connoisseur. <laughs> of, uh, Imagine that such on, things on Saturday kitchen. Just like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's really nice, that food. Anyone ever tasted their own spunk or... No? <laughs> you know, like bringing on Dan, like they bring on the wine guy, that guy who just does ciders. This is Dan, he is the tip milk guy. <laughs> He's going to talk you through a couple yeah. of ways that you can use breast milk. Well, apparently lots of, lots of bodybuilders do it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Erlen Harland, if his mum still sends... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's in great shape. Maybe that's his Definitely. secret. <laughs> Mate, that was so interesting. But I will let you I will let you go. I feel like every second is precious. We've heard the baby in the background throughout all of this. Thank you. So, but thanks yeah, for doing it, man. She's two weeks old. So the fact that you've done that is amazing. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolute yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I, hopefully I'll see you and your partner and the baby soon. Take care, buddy. Awesome. See you, man. That was so great, Jack. Cheers, buddy. So that was Jack Whitehall's Wonderbox. You can get tickets for Jack's tour and find out where he's playing by going to jackwhitehall.com. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for another Wonderbox.